uh, today we're going to be talking about wisdom and yes. habit your wisdom. Yes. And um, I'm excited for this for this episode. I'm excited for all of our episodes. Me too. But, yeah. Uh, for this one, you know, Ryan, when we started talking about doing the show together, um, yeah. I think one of the things that made us really excited to do this show was to be able to 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 begin bringing words to some of the elements of integral living and just sort of the the integral project in general that people don't really get an opportunity to talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in integral circles, we love talking integral theory. Um, I think we sort of take it for granted that people are sort of enacting integral th- thinking, integral theory, the same way that we are, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I think we also take it for granted that people are coming from sort of a similar place of integral wisdom than we are. But in my experiences over the last few years, particularly of sort of integral online, the integral social media project, that yeah. is not always true. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's uh, sort of a perfect topic for us to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think we've gotten pretty good at, at talking about some of these gaps between mm-hmm. sort of what we know and who we are Yeah. and how we can sort of bring certain practices and perspectives online yeah help us sort of better align those two yes um so i think this is going to be this is going to be an important show yeah i'm excited to do it yeah i was excited you brought this up the other day and i feel like it's really at the heart of the show that we're doing and why we brought it up like you said especially for this integral community we're a part of and um particularly now after the previous episodes we've done we've sort of set up a lot uh a foundation i think to have this conversation in a more fruitful way. And yeah, I think one of the reasons why we, we said this probably a number of times about why the topics we choose can be maybe challenging uh, or an edge in integral community. And for me around wisdom is that integral theory is about making what is unknown known, making sense out of that territory, which the life, life itself and the territory of life is nebulous in a certain way and, and making sense of it. Having a map helps us to orient. So that's the gift, right? But um, there could be a, a tendency towards that knowing, which can help uh, uh, exacerbate a problem of the gap between our own inhabited wisdom and that knowing. Because if we have the map in front of us, we say, oh, well, I know, I, I know that territory because I know the map. But what we are able to do with that map, how we're able to wisely respond to life and enact we might have challenges there and we all do. So, but uh, it can, we can miss looking at where our gaps are at just because we have the, the nice shiny map in front of us that we understand. So it's just, that's goes with the territory of this whole uh, endeavor, I think. Yeah, no, no, totally. It's, it's, it's something that I think is um, important for integralists, but it's true for, I think all of us. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. at a time when, <clears throat> You know, information is just so super overabundant. I mean, we are yeah, I w- in information. We're drowning. I would, I would want to unbold that too. I was had the same thought. I think yesterday of just, or maybe it was even today of just like how certain we are about everything because information is so readily available. Echo chambers are abundant, and so we can just gosh, any sense of not knowing is so out the window. So we have that just as being part of this world and being part of the social media networks that we're part of yeah, and all exactly. that. Exactly. So, so we're sort of, we're, we're awashed in all this just mass confusion. 
yeah. right? And just like all this broken and bad information that we're surrounded by. I mean, we talked yeah. about a couple episodes ago in uh, Inhabit Your Digital Life that one of the really unique things about sort of being alive today is that our realities are almost 100% mediated by other people. Everything yeah. we know about everything is coming through someone else's perspective. Mm-hmm. And it takes a fair amount of wisdom just to be able to tell the good from the bad there, you know? Yes. And for integral folks, I mean, as you were sort of heading towards, I mean, I think this can, be, this can be made all the worse in a certain kind of way because we've been given this really, really incredible, holistic sort of color-coded yeah. categorization system that, you know, I think that aqua itself can kind of seduce us into thinking that we, we know more than we actually do. Yes. Um, or that, you know, at the very least, having this sort of integral knowledge is the same as being integral or, yeah. or is the same as having integral wisdom. But yeah, you know, it's not just about having a model. It's about knowing how to enact this model in kind and skillful ways. And, you know, knowing whether you're actually working in the real territory of your life and your reality yeah. or yeah. You're just sort of goofing around in the map. Yeah. Well put, man. Yeah. I, one of the things that come up, comes up for me at first in order to kind of keep ourselves tethered into the process of what we're talking about here is to ask the question, what is my, what is my intention? What's my motivation? What am, what am I really seeking and wanting in life right now? And if it is to have an impact, for example, in my personal life to, to experience change, transformation, personally, relationally, community-wise in the world, then make, then keep tethered to that and then ask yourself, how am I doing? How am I doing with regards to that? And if the question is, is like, well, I'm doing good in certain respects, but then others I'm struggling. Okay, great. Then let that be the motivator to then look at this because I think sometimes there can be an allergy for all of us to look at making change. So we can be really focused on that integral map and we're doubling down on just looking at that without looking about how we're living it. And so sometimes for me, the how that changes how we can shift to actually questioning is to say what really matters to me and then let that motivate the change because then there's there's some safety in it you know to to pursue things that might feel unsafe and which is like looking at the unknown inside myself right but if i know like yeah when i look at my partner my friends the world i want to have an impact therefore i'm going to have courage to to look at what i don't know and how i'm you know falling short or how there's a gap between what I want and, and how I, what my cap- capabilities are in this moment. Yeah. Oh, that's, that, that's, that's beautiful, Ryan. You know, it, 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 um, it sort of resonates with an observation I've had, which is, you know, it's almost like wisdom is putting a Z axis onto mm. our coordinates in time and space, mm. coordinates of our actions, of our intentions, of our mm. thoughts and ideals and behaviors, all of that. Yeah. Sort of wisdom is connecting sort of, you know, it's, it's opening us up to a much larger uh, now moment, basically. It's getting us out of just this sort of, um, we're like a bug on the windshield in terms <laughs> of, you know, just being in the present tense. Present tense is this very narrow present tense. Mm. Wisdom, I think, invites us to open up our sense of presence to a much larger and more timeless now um, while connecting our actions in time with yeah yeah it sort of reminds me of the old native american thing like you know the wisest thing to do is to plant a tree knowing that you will never enjoy its shade uh, 
sort of having that much, you know, that, that dilated view of mm. time and of history and of your role and mm. of your um, actions and, the, and, and sort of how those actions ripple out mm. um, and affect everyone else. And yeah, on the planet. that's, I think, what was, yeah, yeah. And um, so with that, um, I was kind of contemplating what, what we might mean when we say the word wisdom. And there was like three kind of categories for me related to the, what you just said. One of them is, um, I, we were talking about the difference between knowledge and wisdom, which these are just words. And so people might mean various things by them, but one aspect or one way that we could talk about wisdom is more knowledge in a bucket, right? So the bucket can be, you and I can have the same size of bucket in terms of what we perceive and can understand about the world, but we're going to put more knowledge in it. A simple example of that would be with the woodworking you've been doing. Like I know nothing about it and I could learn more about how the machine operates, right? You could teach me how the machine operates. Yeah, totally. So you could teach me and then I would have knowledge in my bucket that's not necessarily transformative, but it gives me information such that if I needed to engage a CNC machine, then I might have a chance at doing that. But without that knowledge bucket, I'm not going to succeed in that. So in that case, we're going to have that all over the place in life where we're all going to be enacting in particular forms and we're going to have to understand how these forms work, you know? So that, that could be wisdom too, for, for example, somebody, somebody could be incredibly skilled like you are uh, showing with all of your work. You clearly know how to work a CNC machine because your work is beautiful. So I, and I have no idea how to do that. I don't know how to fix a car. These are things that I'm, I don't have wisdom with. <laughs> Another bucket would be, well, I think you had just said something about this, but widening what we're able to take in. And this might be developmental and transformational. So for example, with uh, morality, you know, we can widen our, what we take in beyond ourselves to include others and then to include the world and to include the planet. You know, we can expand out. Therefore, we can respond to different sorts of things. We can have different size buckets and put different kinds of knowledge in there, right? So that to me is sort of widening that bucket. It's also like things like Robert Keegan making sense out of the world. If I'm at a particular developmental level, like sociocentric, my bucket is always going to be a sociocentric bucket and I can't there's going to be certain things I just can't respond to foundationally. Mm -hmm. Then there's a timeless wisdom that we see in, uh, you know, awakening traditions where we're, we're awakening to the wisdom of a timelessness, you know, awakening to what pervades everything regardless of developmental levels and form. Right. So for me, I find it helpful to distinguish what do I mean by wisdom? Cause otherwise we can get like, uh, we can flatten everything. Right. So sometimes people say wisdom and they think, waking up yep. and then then they're not going to pay attention to the other two things because that's not wisdom wisdom is seeing through those things and then other people might be saying like listen we have so much shit going on in the world how can you be waking up to something that's beyond this form we need to pay attention to the form because for example some of these forms really suck <laughs> you know and, uh, and then some people might want to double down on putting more shit in the bucket because if i get enough shit in that bucket then i'll be able to do something when it's like no you're actually gonna have to like change and it's gonna be you know shedding skin and and you know and that's a different kind of process so either that or lug around these heavy buckets of shit with you <laughs> yeah how many buckets of shit can you put on that on the shoulders we need different shit all right <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, there's probably a whole uh, dharma teaching in here the dharma of shit 
No, it's and it's such a huge point because because it's true. I mean, you know, Ken talks about how the word spirituality is is basic oh, that's a perfect example. Yeah. Until we, you know, until we sort of break it down into at least these five yes very very different categories, and 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 surely we could do the same thing for wisdom. I yeah. I'm not prepared to have that conversation. Yeah, and they're probably probably some of the, these will be very similar. You know, depending yeah. on how spirituality is defined. Yeah, totally. No, there's I mean, there's there's clearly wisdom that comes from sort of. Um, realization and familiarity with these really really subtle states of being yeah there's wisdom that comes out of you know i mean we can sort of just run through the list i mean i think that that Mm. wisdom kind of shakes out of the various components of of the integral map and they all feel a little bit they're all connected you know it's all sort of integral wisdom capital i capital w but they all contain sort of their own little wisdoms i mean so there's a there's a wisdom to the four quadrants and particularly in how to use the four quadrants. Yeah. How, um, how to move from, again, from sort of this, this, this map, which feels like a, I'm going to press the pause button on reality. And then I'm going to look at all the various components and all four quadrants and everything feels very sort of clean. And, you know, each factor is sort of, differentiated from the other but as soon as you press the play button again everything starts mixing and swirling and blending and you get these feedback loops and you move one thing in one quadrant and everything else changes yeah so there's a wisdom i think that comes with being able to enact these you know these 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 ideas in a way that gets us a little bit closer to reality gets us a little bit closer to to the territory Mm. and then there's stage wisdom i mean not only is there the wisdom that comes with knowing that there's mm. a thing called growing up. I mean, that sort of brings its own wisdom, but there's also the wisdom of each individual stage. And sadly, there's a wisdom of each individual stage that is often lost yeah. as we make the transition from one to the next. And which I, I think once we hit the integral altitude allows us to sort of recontact and, and recollect in a certain kind of way. Mm. A lot of these wisdoms hanging out at red, Hanging out at, at yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> that we spend lifetimes repressing and sort of, you know, yeah, yep. you get to a place where you're like, fuck, I need that. Yes. Raise a kid and tell me you don't need Amber wisdom. <laughs> yeah, I will. Uh, it seems to me uh, parenting is one of the most, I was thinking this earlier today too, that parenting is one of the most integral practices, period. It's like one of the most ultimate practices, I would say, because there's just no you there's no there's no pause button in that sense like you have to you're like forced to get real and i i can i'm only speaking from partial experience i don't i haven't had the full i'm waiting i'm waiting in more deeply and really you're enjoying it in the water, yeah yeah and i and but, but you know my all my friends like you have uh, kids and that's just the gift of of being a parent uh, but also the challenge because there's not a pause button you have to figure out like how am i going to show up today i'm going to show up the best i can and um it's purifying in a certain sense from what I can observe. But um, yeah, and I've, I've been emphasizing this a lot when we've been talking, having these conversations that I'm always trying to encourage people to get a little bit more simple in their focus. Like that's the thing. It's like with the integral map, it's really big and it takes in a lot, which is really great. Um, and at any given time for us as an individual, then let alone like in our, friendships or families and communities, we can only take in so much at once. <laughs> we can only process so much. So like really one to three major change focuses or transformation focuses at a time for probably months on end, that's enough for most people. You just cannot 
process that much. I'm sorry. So like, and, but to, we need to be able to give ourselves permission, some compassion to say, it's okay. That's all we can do. Even though we're aware that so much else is going on and that we wish we could change everything all at once for ourselves, the world, we we can't do that all at once for, for as an individual anyways, maybe collectively everybody doing something, we can have larger impacts, but in our life, it's like, you know, I remember I, back in the day, I've told the story a lot, but I have a, a journal that I wrote in a lot. And this was back like when I was in a heavy achievement phase. And I remember there was like one journal entry in there where I like listed, ah, fucking like 20 things that I thought I was going to just get good at. It was hilarious. Like it's, I still have it. It's so great. Um, but when I did a shot, a short film with Stuart Davis, we used this journal as a prompt. And in between the, the shooting, he was in my journal grading my entries and he would like write one on one of them. He write a, and then on the ones that had like 50 things listed off, he wrote like F minus, which was so hilarious to me because it was so like, you know, irreverent to like be in somebody's journal grading it. And then I found out later and saw that, but I was like, I agree. That was an F minus because it's just like, I, but I was there. I'm like, man, I'm going to be super integral. Right. We'll heal everything, learn everything. Totally. And I got nowhere. I fucking, none of that was just, that was, there was, no, there was a lack of wisdom right. <laughs> with well, that. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I think that's such a, a, a huge point. I, I just, I want to finish up that gestalt real quick, just in terms of yeah. like wisdoms that shake out of this, because I think yeah. that this is the advantage of having a, a term that's sort of as open as integral wisdom, because it is sort of yeah. a, it's a simplicity on the other side of a lot of complexity. Cause you're right. This can be a lot. And when we talk yeah. about, wait, the, 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 every quadrant contains a wisdom, every stage contains a wisdom, yeah, every a stage contains a wisdom, yes. all of my shadows contain wisdom, typology. I mean, there is tremendous both knowledge and wisdom. For example, knowledge helps me, you know, knowledge makes me want to learn the Enneagram so I can learn all about myself and I can reify myself and I, mm-hmm. you know, get a better sense of who I am and what my patterns are. Right. The wisdom of types helps me learn types not to sort of navel gaze but to learn how i might be able to interact more skillfully with everyone else for example Mm, that's that's one way that wisdom might sort of come online and then there's things like polarity wisdom which Mm. you know we're talking about with being a sharma which is like the wisdom that that comes out of this particular way of thinking ryan you were just describing a type of lines wisdom you were talking about this gap you were feeling uh, between sort of this certainty that you had because of integral again integral allows us to to sort of overestimate sometimes right oh yeah run into ourselves particularly we will run into our own lines of development and how they're challenged and when we can see how our various lines are challenged we want to attack them right that's what knowledge does it's like i'm gonna gain like you said i'm gonna put more yes that's what i was doing i was trying to fill that bucket up yep (laughs) <laughs> the wisdom of lines is just like, okay, I've got a more accurate, I think, sort of self-assessment. I know what direction I'm being pulled to go. I know which directions I don't really care. There's a certain wisdom yes. that's letting go of certain lines because, you know what, this doesn't isn't very meaningful for me. And as long as yeah. I'm not creating yeah. suffering for other people because I'm just like absolutely down here on this line, yeah. I'm going to kind of let it go because I don't need to score an well, A plus across my And you know, Corey, with that, what you just said there, there's humility in there. And that humility is incredibly important. It's transformative to me because if we don't acknowledge that, like even if it were the case that 
you somehow were causing suffering to others across more than one line or more than one area, and you still only had the ability to impact maybe one of those areas at a time, you would have to have the humble acceptance to say, gosh, how I'm being right now is still going to cause some harm, but I am working on it. Yeah. That changes it because it changes how we relate to everybody else. It, it, it counteracts um, things uh, like extremism, puritism, uh, puritanical kind of relationships. Um, yeah, we just stop being so extreme with people because we have realistic expectations of ourselves and therefore we can have realistic expectations of others. Therefore, we can have effective strategies to actually you know, uh, have, have, uh, see change. Totally. No, that's such a huge important, because there is, there's, a, we learn the model. And I think one of the first hits we get is like, wow, look how much I am, <laughs> you yeah. know, look how many components and ingredients and qualities and levels and lines and say, look, look how much of me there is. There's yeah. so much me here, right? <laughs> and we kind of get lost in that yeah. a little bit. And then you get to a point where integral actually opens a different door and you start to realize how much more of everything else there is. Yeah. And you sort of getting this like negative space integral where, where, mm. you know, the amount of, of um, integral is only as useful as it illuminates. And mm -hmm. yeah, your our initial sort of uh, uh, honeymoon period with Integral, we're really shining a flashlight into just the depths of our own being. Mm -hmm. But uh, eventually, we start to turn that light in the other direction, and we realize mm -hmm. just how huge and mysterious, and really ultimately unknowable, mm -hmm. so much of this universe is. Yeah, and how so much of 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 you know, like we're talking about in our last episode, how much wants to emerge in this universe and that yeah. does need to come through something and it does need to come through you but guess what if you are taking yourself so freaking serious oh, i am integral man you're you're not going to let that emergence through you're not going to be a, a a transmitter because it, it's it's not looking to emerge as more integral knowledge or more integral ego or more integral id and this is this is yeah. the era of id this yeah. is trying to, to, to mm. manifest and it's trying to emerge selflessly, mm. sort of despite you, through mm. you, but despite you. Mm. And, you know, as, because without wisdom, I think knowledge becomes dangerous. And I think this is also true of integral knowledge. If we don't have the wisdom to wield this stuff properly, I, you know, I, I've seen it many times. It, it, it can sort of turn us into spiritual narcissists in a certain kind of way. Yep. Um, and you know, Ryan, I think this is one reason I think you, you really nailed something I wanted to bring up, which is that, you know, I think there's a lot of people who um, I've crossed path with, who crossed paths with, who sort of see themselves as being like post integral, you know, kind mm. of been there, done that I, I had my time with integral and then I, I mm. moved on. And some of them have, I mean, some of them are just like, some of the most transformed individuals I've ever mm. known. And it's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's impressive just to see mm. what they're doing with their lives and what they're doing within a role and how they're able to sort of um, customize this and, and make it land in very particular ways. Yeah. But a lot of people who make claims like that, I don't think they really made it through integral in the first place. I think that a lot of them have, have learned some of the broad ideas like we were talking about. And, you know, I think that this has allowed them to sort of see integral theory as an object that they can fit in their hand. And Yeah, that's why I write. 
yeah, so they think that because they can do that, they've moved sort of beyond it in a certain kind of way. Um, but as someone who's been steeping in this for like 15 years, I mean, I feel like I'm still at the very beginning mm -hmm. of my journey in terms of like actually taking in and embodying this incredible sort of repository of wisdom mm -hmm. that's here. Because, you know, it always, the wisdom always lags behind the knowledge, doesn't it? I mean, we get the knowledge. Yeah, sure. And that kind of makes us a little bit cocky. And I got over my sort of cocky know-it-all phase a while ago <laughs> yeah. um, that so many of us kind of seem to go yeah. through. I think you described right. your own version yeah. there. Yep. Um, and it's gotten to the point where, you know, now the integral model, I'm able to use it to remind myself again of just how much I don't know how big this cosmos is, how mm -hmm. really ultimately small in a certain kind of way I am. Mm -hmm. um, even though I've got all of this in me still, I, you know, I can get squished like a bug. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, just how much of this is really just unknowable. So we have to have curiosity, humility, yeah. reverence. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, and what you just said brought up another point. I'm, I, I'm trying to remind myself uh, frequently of the different places people might be coming from. And sometimes it's hard because I might speak from my place or from the people I tend to have around me or work with. But, you know, in terms of embodying wisdom, uh, my experience has been that an inner role if there's going to, people are going to have a disposition, it's going to be towards arrogance or being assumptive, you know, um, about what we know. But I think that the cases can be opposite of that too, where like I would say to you, Corey, you're bigger than what you think too. That's where my response would be is like actually the opposite, like take up space. That's my well, gut feeling. There's humility and there's false humility, right? Well, sure. But that's, I'm not even saying that it's not false. Like, False humility, I usually associate with people who usually come off arrogant, mm. but like with feeling, and I would say that I came from a background of feeling, of hiding out more and feeling smaller, you know, and that's been a process to take up space. So I want to speak to those folks too, who might be, you know, tuned into integral that it might be the opposite case where to feeling into the fears or to feeling into those edges of stepping into who you are and, and like what wisdom you do have and working with that, you know, um, that that's totally valid as well. But to find out w what is your particular disposition? Do you, does a person lean towards uh, kind of hiding out a little bit? And the strength there is being like, I take this seriously and I'm seeing the, the enormity of it and not being overly egotistical about it, um, but lacking confidence and action. And the other side is like, oh, I think I'm the shit and I know everything and lacking the humility. <laughs> so, and there could be, there are more, you know, dispositions and challenges than what we just listed there. But I just brought up my mind where I'm like, oh yeah, sometimes it's, it's a little different. I think back in the day, like when I first came to Integral, it was just way more of a arrogant dude fest than, yeah. than anything. <laughs> so that's what I, I thought of. Uh, it was a very ascending culture. Very ascending, very achievement oriented. Even if you like you're transform more. And, you yeah. Know. Even for me, if, if I was more reserved, I still had the mindset of like, yeah, it's fucking achieve everything under the sun yep. and just being beat down by that energy, how exhausting that was and how unuseful and unskillful it was. Also, um, oh, some of you just said there, what was it? Shit, I lost I it in there. Think of it. Um, I, I think what you said was, was really great. And it actually showed how, you know, we really have to hold these things sort of carefully, a little bit lightly. 
Yep. Because um, the minute we sort of concretize what something like wisdom means, well, congratulations, you've just created another possible pathology for yourself. Because you're right. Um, my challenge would be to take up more space. That's been sort of something I've been working on for the last couple of years. And you've been doing that a ton. So like, I want to well, give kudos to you for, for Well, and that. I want to, you know, thank you. I mean, you know, a lot, for me, when I took, um, you know, the Embodied Success course with you, that was a big sort of pivot point for me. Uh, that um, makes me happy. Being able to take myself more seriously, but not arrogantly. And right. That's, and that, that's, you know. And that's why I think you're perfect for this community. That's why this, you're a gift. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, and and that's, that's where wisdom becomes really important because to thread that needle, to, to, you know, when you're finally in a space where it's like, okay, I can feel that I need to take myself more seriously. I need more confidence. I need to show up. But I have this severe allergy yeah. to cockiness, to arrogance, to, to things yeah. like that. Right? And so, right. so figuring out how to do that, how to have a – Yes. Because you know, I often say the point, integral spirituality is not hostile to the ego, right? Gro the point of growing up is to have a bigger, better, more capable ego every step of the way. Right. Ken Wilber is one of the biggest egos <laughs> I've ever known, <laughs> yeah. right? The difference being Ken's done the shadow work. <clears throat> the cleaning up work and the waking up work to make that big ego as transparent to himself as it can possibly be. And that's a, that's a wisdom challenge right there. Yeah, right. right. I have this construct. I can see sort of my strengths. I can see my weaknesses. Sometimes I get all fired up over my weaknesses and I want to just like double down on them. And yeah. you know, which brings us back to the conversation we had a few minutes ago, but yeah. you know, it's, it's having a realistic assessment and, and feeling both the confidence and the humility hand in hand with yeah. your own cosmic address is, um, yeah, tough. yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tough balancing act, I think, for a lot of mm -hmm. Yep, yeah, and that's why a lot of times I think for this show we we do have a good focus or a good amount of focus on how, right? We always want to have some speak to how do we do this right to kind of point out what the challenge is on a little bit more embodied level but then talk about well how do we work with that and we've already mentioned a few things you know like about um checking in with your own intention being really clear about that being having a way to kind of assess yourself in the world in an honest loving way about like well how am i doing out here and what do i how does that match up with what i want to see about myself and then from there what's the response what's the strategy you know to work with our experience to work with others such that we can continue to grow, evolve, transform, heal. And, um, can I, can I just, I want yeah. to that, right. Cause that, that's yeah. important that the strategy part, I think yep. it's important because I think for a lot of us, when we talk about wisdom, it feels very abstract. It feels mm -hmm. it's sitting on a cloud somewhere. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what you're talking about is, is you, we need to find actionable strategies that allow your wisdom to actually manifest, to actually mm -hmm. connect with reality and to make an impact with it. It's creating this linkage. Yeah, and what happens is that linkage goes in both directions. So as soon as you enact a strategy, you're going to gain new experiences and new information that is going to restructure and reorganize and reinform what wisdom you thought you had before. So to treat it, that, that's the, that counteracts the idea that wisdom is sort of static, like it's, it's up in the clouds and I can stand on it and perch down and, you know, perch and look down at the world. But the fact is, is when I do a strategy, I learn things and all, 
that I didn't know before. And all of a sudden I'm looking at the world in a completely different way. So, you know, there's that wisdom of like timeless wisdom. There can be some sense of like, well, that is just, it just is right. So if we're talking about like Dharmakaya, the body of reality, and then like, okay, well, maybe that's, we're going to call that just, that's how it is because it's timeless, but everything else, you know, it's shifting all the time. Um, And uh, you know, the direction I go with this around wisdom or as an exercise meditation that I thought of uh, sharing was to do an exercise of embodied wisdom. So one way we can do that is we talked about inhabiting the body before where we inhabit and attune to the inner depth of our bodies and inhabit the complete space of our bodies and feeling that we are the internal space. So that's always the case that we are the internal space. We're not above the, the internal space of our body and saying like, Oh yeah, I see my body down here. It's like, no, I, I feel that I am my body to the best extent we can. Right. There's always that caveat. <laughs> but the other thing we can do is we can attune to quality. So for example, we generally associate knowing with our heads, you know, with our mind space so we can inhabit our heads, you know, the full space of the brain and attune to the fundamental quality that we have to know. It's not attuning to any specific knowledge or any way of knowing, but just knowing itself and see how that feels. Do we feel that completely in our head? Does it feel partial? Does it feel dense? Does it feel light? Do we feel anything at all? And that's information for us. But then we can also move knowing throughout the body and have our chest and attune to knowing in our chest. How does that feel? What happens there? Attuned knowing in the gut, attuned to knowing in the pelvis, attuned to knowing in the whole body. And this will provide some embodied information for us of where we feel constricted. So it could be that when we have our head, it feels like a cone, right? Like it feels like a pointed cone pointed outward to the world. And that's how we relate to knowing the world. And what does that feel like versus a knowing that, that feels 360 open and present? So I just wanted to throw out like, you know, this is something that would take more practice and instruction, but um, it's a nice way for me to cut through conceptuality to then dive into the content of our experience, to let content and experience arise out of what we're experiencing in our body around wisdom, around knowing. And for example, if we feel withdrawn in ourselves and not wanting to take up space, we'll feel that. We'll feel like knowing is sort of the space in our head might feel small. You know, we might not feel full be- and the question is, why is that? Or we may feel big, like we feel totally full in our head and heavy and then nothing down here. If we try to tune to knowing in our chest, nothing. Well, that's interesting that we can't attune to knowing in our chest, which is often, often associated with emotion or love, right? So anyways, throwing this out as a... You know, that was, you know, even, even just that, where you were kind yeah. of scraping the surface with what he's pointing out, even doing that, reorganize some of my concepts around mm. around wisdom you know because as, as you started talking and immediately when you said you know head heart and gut basically i was like oh yeah. well my my sort of cognitive mind kicked in it was like oh well it seems to me the way i visualize it anyway is that wisdom is about connecting your head with your heart mm. okay? yeah as soon as you start moving through the embodied just the invitation to simply feel just check in and actually feel and verify for yourself whether how you think about wisdom is actually corresponding with your felt wisdom. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, that, that, I was, that, that concept is wrong. There is a wisdom of the mind mm. that sort of 
naturally presents itself. There's a mm -hmm. wisdom of the heart that yeah. naturally presents itself. There's a wisdom of the gut that naturally presents itself. Mm -hmm. And yes, these three sort of levels of your wisdom can be aligned and sort of brought into harmony in certain kind of ways. Yeah. But they also sort of have their own voice. They also sort yeah. of you know, do their That's own. That's been my thing. experience. Yeah. And, and it, it was just fascinating. Just a lot, just simply the invitation to check in on an embodied level and say, test your own sort of mental categories of wisdom. You know, yep. how are you thinking about wisdom versus yep. naturally spontaneously presenting itself to you? And, you know, yeah. are, you're, you're going to walk away with some different ideas. Yeah. And, you know, um, something that's different here in this kind of practice compared to some other meditation practice, especially about waking up, is that there's not an instruction to say, here's where you, what you need to experience. What you're trying to do is work yourself to some sort of defined experience of wisdom in your head or wisdom in your chest. Um, the invitation is to say, find out what it is. That's it. Like find out what's, what's up when you try to inhabit an attuned to wisdom pervading your head, wisdom pervading your chest, wisdom pervading your gut. It is connected to some things that are, that are, have a foundational sense and that, you know, that we all have this ability to know the world. And so we could put that as a marker in the distance of like, oh, I'm working to being able to experience knowing directly. But this is really personal too, about how you embody and inhabit knowing and how that interaction with the world through knowing affects others and affects you. And so for me, there's a lot of pressure taken off actually. We can just relax, but there could be an allergy because there's not a, a map like, give me a map, tell me where I'm going. I need some some things I can achieve and check off the list and, you know, which can happen a lot with waking up, you know, you, there's some standard maps of like going through some state experiences and whatnot, but that's not, that's not what this is about. Well, it's another thing that, that um, occurs to me, right. Is that um, when we're talking about a word like wisdom, you know, so much of this too probably comes down to the different ways we enact the term based on our typologies. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, man, you know, I, I'm an upper left quadrant orienter. Mm -hmm. right? That's where I hang out. That's where I feel yeah. most natural. And that's where I Same, I like that. enact language like this. Yeah. Someone who's coming at this as a upper right quadrant orienter. Yeah. Might enact everything we're saying in a slightly different way. Oh, totally. Than yeah. we ourselves are. Absolutely. Right. right. Lower right or lower left, you know, for, for yeah. someone who's orienting the lower left, that wisdom only becomes tasty when it can be shared, when it can exist. Between yeah. Right. People, right. right. Like this, this only becomes meaningful for me personally, when this can create goodness in the world. Yeah. Also may say it needs to create more beauty in the world. Well, obviously it needs to create all of these, but it can create different things based on different people coming through different cosmic addresses again, as sort of this like projector. Yeah refracts the light in a different kind of way um and it's beautiful because there's so much to talk about there really is so much territory here yeah that everyone sort of has a different yeah it's beautiful themselves yeah Corey, thank you for bringing that up um so something i can add to that then um if we take those quadrants for some of them for example we can embrace our natural disposition so if we're upper lefters right well then we don't need to we don't need to fight that. We're just trying to see how um, integrated, you know, and holistic we can be in engaging with our lives. We don't, you know, if somebody is 
feels good at being a psychologist or a spiritual teacher, then rock that out and then just try to be very aware of the other realities so that you are not so partial in the world and responding to it. But we don't need to try to then become like, we don't need to say, oh, I'm going to become an economist now because I want to, it's like, no, let, let, let economists be economists, <laughs> you know? Um, but we can have an orientation here. So um, both of describing what we might be miss, what we might be longing for, but then also where our habits might be. So an upper left person might, um, depending on their life, we long, always upper lefters long to be in touch with interior spaces and to share about that with other people. It might be different than that lower left sharing kind of thing, but it's like, yeah, we want to steep in it. We want to make art. We want to do meditation. Yeah. So, but if we, and if we're not having that because of the job we're doing is always outward focused and it's really pulling us out of our typology, then we might experience that in our body and feel how much, how deprived we are of nourishing that. Okay. And then we get that information. Okay. How can I nourish my general disposition to being an upper left person who wants to navigate that realm? However, the other way this can happen, if we are engaged in upper left activities and we get to saturate that, you know, and water it, um, we might notice that, well, when we try to reach, when we try to connect with others in collective social settings, we feel tight and resistant and it's hard for us. And that's where the work is to say like, okay, how can I become more comfortable being in that lower left quadrant, you know, with other people as upper lefters. And we can experience that in the body as well. We can experience the retraction. Maybe we retract to the core of our body. Maybe we actually get behind ourselves. Like we can actually feel like I don't feel anything in my front of my body. Like I'm back here, you know? So it's like, I've had that experience, you know, totally. Um, Whereas lower lefters, same example, maybe they're not getting saturated in that collectiveness, you know, and they need to do that. Or they may be very scared to relax into their individuality, their own singular experience. And the way that'll feel is that they're going to be reaching outward. They're going to be coming at you like, because I don't want to sit back here. So I'm coming towards you, Corey. Like, ah, I need to touch that space. I need to be around somebody or something. So we can kind of see how each of these quadrants, depending on how we're oriented, we have to be nourished. You know, I would say we want to be nourished and then also pay attention to where we might have resistance to other quadrants. And it could be any permutation of this. There's not like a exactly this plays out, but we can feel that and sense that in our bodies. That's what I would say. That's beautiful. And just to geek out for a minute, it's, yeah. it's interesting to me that every component of the integral map can be used as a typology. Yeah. You can use yeah. quadrants as a typology. You can use in a certain kind of way stages, not like yeah. amber, orange, green, but But what people like pay attention to, yeah. Head, heart, gut. Right? Yeah. Some mm-hmm. of us I think have a typology, head, heart, gut that is actually sort of we're more comfortable with a certain level of our being. Yep. Um I think that our lines can be typologies. I think Oh, for sure. Maybe yeah. our types can be typologies. I think types can be types. <laughs> if not, they're definitely types. But it's but it's, it, it is fascinating. We tend to yeah. with, with one or more of these of these different components. states. Certainly, states are definitely typologies. Yeah, and you know when you you will use that phrase uh, the cosmic address or cosmic addressed in uh, in the world in like the uh, I like the phrase kaleidoscope. You know the kaleidoscope of who we are that configuration that is so unique outside of all the quadrants and lines and levels. We're put together in an interesting way. And so when we work with our experience, 
um, the reason why I point to embodiment as being a foundation for that, not the whole thing, is because we can get more attuned to that kaleidoscope in real time, right? Yep. So like when you turn that kaleidoscope, everything changes all at once, right? And so we can figure out like, well, how do I orient? You know, what's, it's going to be so different. We have a group of people, 20 of us here, sitting with some of that embodied practice we, we did. Could be 20 different experiences with that, even if there's overlap. Mm. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, let's, um, we've got a couple of people. Yeah, we got, I want to open things up, uh, to anyone who's watching. So if you guys have questions, comments, um, there's two ways you can engage. So if you're in here in zoom with us, you can either press the raise my hand button, which will tell us you want us to turn on your cameras and we can have some real time back and forth, or you can submit a question in the Q and a, we'll read it on the air and, and yeah. respond to it that way. Um, if you're watching on say integrallife.com slash live and you want to interact with us, you need to be in zoom. Otherwise we can't see you. Yeah can't see you we can't talk to you so there's a link right underneath underneath the video click that that'll bring you into the zoom app you can ask your questions there um so maybe people have questions maybe not in the meantime there's a couple of resources um on integral life i wanted to point people to ryan um cool. you know when it comes to, to wisdom particularly integral wisdom um there's one guy who i think has a lot to say about this and he's not ken <laughs> Ken's got a lot to say about this too. Obviously, uh, Roger Walsh. Ah, Roger. Yeah. And, you know, Roger is another one of these just master integrators, master distillers, where he can take you know all these different um, facets of of religious experience as a whole, or spirituality as a whole, etc., and actually start piecing them together in an understandable uh, and approachable way. Um, and he's done that a couple times on integral life for us. So one of these here is a practice that he did. Mm. And this is a gorgeous practice. Absolutely mm. gorgeous practice. Um, I highly recommend people check this out. You can find it uh, up here in the practice section of integral life. Very nice. And, and Roger makes the point in this video that, you know, we're sort of like, uh, what does he call it? Sort of like the sorceress the sorcerer's apprentice where we live in this this world where we have so much power and we have so much knowledge and we have so much access and yet very very you know tiny little trickle of wisdom in terms of knowing what to do with that power and knowledge mm. and access mm. uh, it's a really powerful um that's awesome I that's great really encourage you guys to check it out and then the other is uh, a conversation between roger and ken called Searching for Wisdom in the 21st Century. This was a really, really fantastic audio series. I think it was about two hours uh, in duration, thereabouts. Um, and then just because I love Roger so much, I highly encourage you guys to check out this piece, The Integral Movement, Past, Present, and Future, uh, where Roger is basically speaking to the types of wisdoms that we need to enact and embody for ourselves in order to um to make the integral project and the integral movement itself more viable and more visible uh and hopefully make a deeper impact in the world so those are just a couple resources i want to awesome. share we'll post links to it um on the page down below great there we go. sweet and it doesn't look like we have any other questions so i'm going to do i'm going to do one more plug you mind if i do one more plug plug away my friend you told me i need to take up more space yeah do it so I'm, <laughs> So I'm doing this really cool thing now where I am making um, these woodworking projects that I'm selling. Yeah. 
That's awesome. So uh, if anyone's interested, you can send me an email, Corey at integrallife.com. Um, so I'm making these four quadrant images, not images, carvings. Here's an example of one that I just made. Yeah, it's great. This is unfinished, so you can't really see the lettering very well. But and I think if you look at on, on his on Facebook photos that he shared, you'll see much more of that. I think the grain is a little darker, like on. It's just that bright white light. So the detail and the wood grain is really beautiful. Yep, and here's here's another piece made out of white oak. Yeah, it's awesome. Isn't that really pretty. And once I throw some finish on there, all that um, lettering will really pop. But they're turning out really absolutely gorgeous, and I've been so happy. So that cool. I've been so excited for them. Um, I've already yeah. sold a couple this week. Um, so if you're interested and you want sort of a custom piece to, to hang in your home, let me know. Corey at IntegralLife.com. I'll be happy to, to work with you. Yeah, and you know what's great just on in terms of uh, what we've been talking about today and a lot on Inhabit is like you making that art through wood, through tangible wood. It is something cool about taking that theory and making it into this art. It's something about grounding it and, and making an embodied expression of it that I think is, I really enjoy. I feel so seen right now. Yeah, good. Yeah, that, that, was, that was exactly it. And it was both in terms of like, uh, um, as an aesthetic statement, you know, yeah. I mean? to take these sort of like dry and abstract, but really tremendously meaningful maps um, that have been handed hand down to us and just make them beautiful and just yeah. transform them and make them really come alive in a certain kind of way. And then there's the personal piece for me, which is just that, you know, I've been dealing with abstract integral stuff for so long. I design websites and I write copy and it all yeah. feels so, uh, I don't know, just uh, ethereal in a certain yeah. way. And I needed um, to find a way to, to just concretize that, to, to put my hands on something tactile and to create something that I could actually hold in my hands afterwards. Put on a wall. And I'm glad you're doing it, man. Well, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing, man. Well, I thank you. Particularly this show with me. Yeah, it's been such a blast. And uh, for anybody listening, I really enjoy just having you all, uh, and knowing you're there listening. And even if you're not dropping comments or questions, it's been really encouraging uh, to see people's responses to it. And um, yeah, it makes me excited to show up every month to do it. Yeah, same here. It's a show I... I greatly look forward to every time well brother yeah yeah it's been fun so uh we'll be back uh, in february yeah yeah and uh, i don't know the exact date but it's on the site and it's on it'll be tuesdays uh, tuesday at the same time oh someone raised their hand hey, someone raised their hand. we have a caller loring i'm bringing you in look at that last minute i love it right in the nick of time how are you hello well i'm, I'm well thank you i, I really appreciate your uh, your presentation. I have a question that is a little bit out of, maybe out of sync with what we're talking about, but Michael Pollan has a new book out, How to Change Your Mind. <clears throat> he goes into uh, the importance of the entheogens. And I don't hear much about that regarding uh, integral. And I was wondering if you perhaps could comment on this. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, thanks for the question, Lauren. Um, I, I haven't seen the book, um, but I would say there's, there's definitely a lot of interest in the integral community around um, the types of wisdoms that can be gained through entheogens. Um, in fact, 
when I did my uh, eight hour long dialogue with Ken about gun violence, <laughs> when it came to proposing solutions, uh, we had two. <laughs> One of them was to create, uh, to reinstate the draft and create a National Guard-like service that all 18 and 19-year-olds would mandatorily have to join. And two was give everyone a dose of psilocybin mushrooms. That was Ken's <laughs> idea, not mine. Funny. Yeah, I support that. Um, but <laughs> you know, Ken himself has been, you know, um, sort of all aboard the, 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 the psychedelic train for a while, even though he himself doesn't have a lot of experiences with it, um, but a lot of his friends have. Um, and I think that Ken definitely makes a lot of room in the model for these kinds of, for the sorts of peak experiences that, that psychedelics can give us. Now, I think that, you know, where the wisdom comes online is, is knowing that while these substances can give us very, very vivid and very immersive experiences of these states of reality, um, it also comes with a need to sort of cultivate uh, our own ability to tap into those states ourselves without using chemicals like psilocybin in order to get there. Because there's, you know, there's a diminishing returns and, and things like that. But I think for a lot of people, it, it sort of, it breaks the ice. It shows people for the very, oftentimes for the very first time that these realities are in fact real yeah. um, and that they are in a certain kind of sense, knowable or navigable. Um, and I think that that is tremendously, it was valuable for me. I, I haven't done psychedelics in, years um they were definitely a part of my spiritual path in 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 my 20s particularly my my early 20s when i didn't have a family and a mortgage and could have a little bit more fun and a little bit more sort of self-experimentation um but yeah it definitely taught me a lot ryan what do you think yeah um yeah i wanted to point you to another resource so buddhist geeks the other show i'm a part of vince horn our good friend who hosts that as well he did a bunch of episodes in a series on uh with uh meditation and psychedelics but from all different not just in the realm of waking up so there's a lot of good conversations over there as well but um i'm seeing a huge surge in the research being done on psychedelics and therapy um and psychedelic assisted therapy right now the only thing that's legal is ketamine, um, but it's done in a lot of, I don't know if it's done in every state, but it's done, I know it's done in North Carolina and you can find therapists who do that. And then a lot of research is going on. So I like my network that I'm a part of, I have, I have a lot of uh, psychologists, friends and psychotherapists and people doing that research and it's grown hmm. so much in the last five years. So I think we're going to see a lot more about that and hear a lot more about it um as the research is being done really i mean it seems really convincing to me already it's just a matter of like getting the research established so that way then it can get a legal stamp to be done with therapists and once that happens we'll have a lot more i think to work with because right now there's a lot of experience with psychedelics and waking up that's long been kind of established and talked about but entering it into other realms yeah. It's been really? limited because of the, it's been, you know, everything's been made illegal. As soon as it's a drug, they're like, make it a schedule one, even if it's not a schedule one <laughs> kind of drug. Um, so there's a lot you can find out about there, out in the world about that. Michael yeah, has a lot to say about this. And also, what do you think is, is that, are they a gateway to heaven on earth? It's like hmm. the theogens. This is a big, big question. I mean, it depends on what you mean by heaven on earth. I guess that's a, yes. a, 
I, it depends. Yeah, I think it depends. A set and setting, buddy. Right? I mean, for, yeah. for some, it can be a gateway to heaven on earth, and for others, it can be a gateway to hell on earth. And, um, and that's why the. Yeah, that's why the research on uh, therapy assisted uh, use of things like MDMA and uh, psilocybin is really important because then you have the good set and setting plus a great guide to take you through that. And then the research coming out on that is incredibly convincing to like incredibly powerful in helping people heal. Um, but I'm always surprised. Like sometimes I'll hear about, I've, I've uh, uh, done mushrooms once in a good set and setting. I haven't had an extensive experience, but I've talked to a lot of people who've done them. And sometimes I'm really surprised by people who just did them casually. Like, Oh, I just did mushrooms at a concert. I'm like, how the hell are you doing mushrooms at a concert for shits and giggles? When I'm like, that's a powerful, it's a powerful substance. Um, but and people can have freaked out experiences, right? They just don't, they don't have any set and setting. They think they're going to have a good time and who knows what's going to happen with psilocybin. You know, it's not the same thing as weed or alcohol, you know, it, it matters. So yeah, depends on the set and setting and what you're doing and the dosage probably. <laughs> yeah. And I look forward to uh, the Buddhist geeks do a review of the Michael Pollan book, uh, how to change your mind. Yeah. I'll, I'll uh, pass that to, to Vince. Cause he's been the person yeah. who's done a lot of interviews on that, but um, he did a lot of great interviews with people in different professions over there. So I highly recommend it. Lori, maybe I'll bring this up to, uh, to Dr. Keith for a future episode of Wit and Wisdom. I'd oh, that'd be great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks for the question, Lori. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to skedaddle cool. out of here and drop some acid. <laughs> Let's get to that heaven on earth. <laughs> One of the funny things I was, uh, I, I often talk to Ken about is, is again, just how um, the neoliberal, neoliberalization of consciousness itself. Mm, yeah. And how, you know, Timothy Leary in the 1960s was running around telling everyone tune in, you know, tune in, drop off. What is it? I can't remember. I know you said that the phrase you're talking about. Tune in, turn on, drop. I don't know. Something like that. But he was telling people basically leave, take acid, leave society, create a new society. And now people are microdosing LSD in order to enhance their productivity in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Gosh. So we've, we've, we've been thoroughly colonized people. Yep. Well, whereby I know a lot of people are playing with microdosing right now, and they yeah, sure. Well, it's gonna. I mean, that's why we need a view and ethics, uh, and uh, to go along with those tools. And that's okay. You know, people have been using all kinds of. I mean, we've been using coffee as a drug. We use alcohol as, as you know, ways to deal with life in unhealthy ways. So it's like I don't know that we're gonna prevent people from using these substances in ways that are unhelpful or, or exacerbate other problems. But they have a lot of potential to do good. And so as long as we get it. Uh, in the context of wise guides, then maybe. Yeah. Well, I love that you brought the conversation out of just waking up because it, I mean, we are seeing a lot of evidence around um, the value of psychedelics and yeah, yep, um, particularly around traumatic, especially around tra trauma. Trauma is huge. Um, yep, they're using I think MDMA ecstasy and they're using yeah MDMA and psilocybin are. And, and they can, I wouldn't be surprised, Ryan, if if we found out that psychedelics can also be an accelerant when it comes to growing up. You know, Ken has often talked about meditation being an accelerant, yeah. the constant process of making subject into object, hmm. sort of you know developing that muscle. Wouldn't surprise me either. You yeah, know, like just being able to see. I again, I remember being 19 years old, sort of orange altitude. Hmm. Take, take some LSD and realize how 
bullshit materialism, you know, just sort yeah, of it, stuff. But it wouldn't surprise me either that it's some kind of a catalyst. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, buddy. Oh wait, hang on. We have a Q and A question. They're coming in. Yeah, they are. This is great. Uh, Greg says, "Hey guys, love your show. Funnily enough, a lot of the points in this show have been coming up for me today too." I'm going through a compulsive phase of buying books, reading, learning, as well as starting some shadow work. Good for you. Uh, I'm getting a bit concerned that I'm possibly spiritually bypassing and not enacting enough. Can you give any more tips on doing a reality check, i.e. balancing how much we can actually make a change in the world that doesn't seem to be so interested in these integral topics versus when we should just focus on becoming the change we want to see? Thank you. I missed mm. a few minutes of today's show, so apologies if you've already answered. It's a great I mean, question. For me, there are, there are always going to be a lot of ways to answer that kind of question. But for me, I do go back to embodiment as my baseline because it, it is such a good fundamental sort of thermometer or some sort of sensor to answer those questions. So to just have ability to drop into myself and I can feel, am I taking on too much? Am I feeling overwhelmed? Where should I be putting my attention? You know, as Again, just a way to orient. Um, because if we remain in our heads, for example, in trying to answer that question, then we're probably going to be off the mark. If we're answering it in terms of reactivity, emotional reactivity, we're going to be off the mark. So somehow I want to get to something more neutral, you know, a, a mirror uh, that's neutral, and that is my embodied experience. Now, I can also do that in conjunction with people in my life who I, who I care about and they care about me to also help reflect back. But... Um, I personally find it very difficult otherwise um, because I feel like I'm guessing and, and groping in the dark and I can't really gauge like how much should I be doing here? Um, what, what should I be doing? So I don't know if that's helpful. Um, spiritual bypassing. Oh, for sure. If you're doing, if you're grounded in the body and making that part of any practice you're doing, it'll be way harder to spiritual bypass. The only way you'd spiritual bypass in the body is if you're going to subtle energy only and you're trying to recreate subtle state experiences because you're more or less kind of attached to the energetic experience of it, like a high from a drug, but just through accessing chakras and things like that, which is only part of the, the body. So, but if you're inhabiting the bones and you know the meat and the blood, not just those energetic channels, then I think it's very hard to spiritually bypass personally that's a great that's a great response brian and yeah, you know, Corey, if you have any thoughts the, the fact that you're asking the question in the first yeah that's why yes yeah, i thought the same thing yes sort of a, a, a perspectival dexterity that's going to be yeah uh, very useful for you um you know i know for myself whenever yes. i do pretty much any spiritual activity um i it, it comes with the question it arises with the question yes yeah yes what what, what am i using this for um and it's, it's, it's just, that's half the battle. I, I, I agree, Corey. Yeah. Like once you're asking that question, I'm like, you're good to go. Yep. <laughs> that would be my quick answer. You've got the guardrails in place. Yeah. And Ryan, I love the point about, you know, cause that was something we should have mentioned with the psychedelic talk, just in terms of uh, how addicted we can get to certain states over others. And this yep. happens a lot. I, I see a lot in the integral community. People get so fixated on subtle level phenomenon because there's, fireworks and it's ooh ah, and it's kaleidoscopic like you were talking about and oftentimes that itself can become that can prevent people from discovering sort of that 
it's a it's honestly like kind of an epidemic of sorts that I've, I've been experiencing where it's both a prevention of it gets in the way of responding to the world in an embodied way but it also gets in the way of completing the waking up path in terms of a classic awakening like people just get stuck there of just like it's transcendent, you know, it's that subtle state. So it is something bigger and, and deeper and more interconnected, but it's not the full, it's hard to rest. It's very, it's like a drug. It's like getting ramp, amped up and then feeling the withdrawal of it and constantly just contracting. And you can't ever just tap in and let go into the deep spaciousness and of presence. And uh, yeah, that's tough. That's yep. a tough one. I see it. And because it's become so normalized, it's become in a neoliberalization culture, how much spirituality and pra- meditation practice have become, become a norm. It's become even easier for people to just keep repeating, press repeat on subtle state experiences. We oh. mistake it on an identity level. We start, we start identifying with those experiences. And again, it yeah. all contributes to the sense of, look how much I am. Look how yeah. much of me there is, you know, and it's, it's yeah. And it's not to say that people can't get attached to, you know, emptiness or like just being right. like even beyond subtle state energy. Uh, yeah, for sure. But I, I tend to notice that more often that people are, I hear more people attached to subtle energy stuff these days than I do to like, um, you know, non-dual state or something. Well, it gets us back to what we talked about in episode two which was sort of imaginal spirituality, which certainly is valuable, certainly yep. has its place, can certainly yep. provide a lot of meaning, yep. it has its limits. Mm-hmm. And there's something about a simple presence of being that at the end of the day, I just find um, really... Yeah, you know, one thing that people do a lot with that um, is for when emotional wounding comes up and trauma comes up, if they're attached to that, they will... Um, uh, think that the answer is to return to that subtle energy state. Like I just got to get to that energy state, which is beyond the wounds in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the trauma never changes yeah. in that kind of approach. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. Well, thank question. you uh, for our questioners. Great questions today. Yeah, great questions. Yep. And I hope you guys can all join us next month. Second Tuesday of February. We'll be here. One o'clock. Yeah. Not Thanks everybody for... For, uh, being here and the questions i love it yeah and ryan thank you man thank you dude I love you, buddy. good to see you love you yeah. we'll talk again soon okay bye guys bye